Hi everyone, welcome to the weekly podcast of EEG Speaker Series. The Entrepreneurial Exchange Group, EEG, is the leading resource for entrepreneurial interest at New York University. By hosting weekly meetings that feature distinguished individuals to speak of their experiences, EEG aims to provide its members opportunities to learn, network, and be inspired. My name is Jeannie Choi, and today we will be talking about how a man who started out with a passion for cooking in the craziest turns of events became both CEO and co-founder of a financial education app that just received $37.5 million in Series D funding. We were honored to have Brandon Krieg of Stash Invest with us to share his story. In February 2015, Brandon Krieg and Ed Robinson walked away from their six-figure jobs on Wall Street to launch Stash, an app that aims to make investments simple and accessible to everyone. This episode will be focusing on how Stash found its success through the founder's somewhat iron-willed focus on a product and its ability to bridge the gap between the American public and financial literacy. What we're building is a financial services company that lets people start investing, saving, and getting financial education with $5. And, you know, if you think about what we're doing, it's the U.S. right now is a really scary place for the majority of Americans when it comes to money and financial education. About 60% of people in America can't come up with $500 for an emergency. Um, That's really, really scary. And most Americans have little to no financial education. They're not learning about financial anything in school anymore. Their parents aren't teaching it to them. And so we came together, my co-founder and I, to say, let's build something where it can really help this massive group of Americans, and there's well over 100 million of them, that want to start investing and saving for their futures and getting their, and unlocking their financial opportunity that they have. Now a little background on Creek. He co-founded EdgeTrade, one of the first and largest electronic trade execution and algorithmic software firms. When Knight Capital Group acquired EdgeTrade, Creek became their head of electronic sales. Afterwards, he became head of electronic execution for Macquarie Securities Group. With both founders coming from hedge fund backgrounds, first-time investors may seem like an unlikely target market. So how did Creek and Robinson come up with this idea? The, the story behind it, I think, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I had stayed after I sold my company tonight. I had stayed there for about six years. And then I, it all just started changing. The, a new buyer came in and bought it again. And it was time for me to go. So I had left and then took a little time off. And then one of my old customers, a big global bank, the bank is Macquarie Bank, um, wanted me to go there to build uh, a global electronic trading business inside of the bank. <clears throat> and they paired me up with Ed, my co-founder, to do it together. and. One day, someone that I had worked with went over to my co-founder and we sat together on the trading desk and said, hey, I have some extra money and I don't know what to do with it. Where should I start investing it? And we're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like this person works in trading and in research. Like they should know what to do with their own money. How is it possible they don't understand this? And we kind of let it go. And then but we became over time just obsessed with the with the concept that if people that work in finance don't understand finance or how to invest their own money, what is everyone else doing? The problem is we had signed something with Macquarie that any idea that we kind of birthed inside of while we worked there was their idea. So we flipped a coin, I won, I resigned first, he went second, <laughs> and we immediately took it to the street and we just started walking around Midtown, walking up to people in the street just asking them, hey, do you invest and do you save? And It was crazy. Every single time we got the same answer. No, I don't, but I really want to. I just, I don't understand it. It's so confusing. I can't relate to it. 
Um, and I just never learned about it. And then we kept hearing, well, I need to be rich to start. So maybe one day later when I have a lot of money, I'll do it. And then when we started asking the question about what does rich mean to you? What is that? Nobody could answer the question. And so we, uh, we kind of knew right away what we needed to do. It's take away the barriers of entry so that everybody could start doing this, this thing that isn't so scary when you learn about it. So we need to build a financial education company and an investing company and start there. And that's, that's what we did. That's kind of the impetus. It was born up in, the, in a, the Times Square area when we just asked random people about it. Now as the fastest growing consumer investing app in the U.S., Stash currently serves over 1.7 million clients and 5 million subscribers, with approximately 40,000 new clients joining weekly. What does Creek believe is the key to Stash's success? It's the $50 billion question, right? How do you get something to go viral? And I think for us, it's we pay very close attention to making sure we're building a business that's clearly solving a problem. Because, I mean, if you ask why do startups fail, they they fail because I mean, right now, especially today, it's fairly easy to get seed venture capital to start something. But if you don't focus on being a painkiller to a pain, then typically the businesses don't work. So we're two and a half years later, we're still laser focused on iterating to solve the problem. And so what we found through solving the problem is all of a sudden now, <clears throat> you'll have someone who works at Walmart as a cashier who for the first time in, in her life is sitting down with her friends at dinner saying, I'm an investor. I started investing. You know, I did it. And it wasn't scary and complicated. And by the way, I'm now investing every week. And I understand it. And so what we did, just to back up, is we didn't just create a platform with a million different choices. We curated a platform down so that our customers can invest with intent. So that we have about 42 investment options. And we broke investing up into three categories things you believe in, things you like, and things you want. So for an example, if you believe that the business of cannabis is going to be you know, a major business here to stay in the future, you can invest in that because it's something you believe in. Um, if you believe that Warren Buffett is running a fantastic company and you want to own it, we built something, well, we repackaged it. We call Berkshire Hathaway Roll with Buffett, and you can buy that. So we've had a quarter million people invest in Berkshire Hathaway five dollars at a time and so i think making it relatable in our case and understandable is really touching on people's sense of pride right they feel like <clears throat> now all of a sudden they're doing something for their futures and they're saving and they're investing and they're learning that's helping us kind of not buy our customers now word of mouth is spreading and virality is spreading around that it's really all about the product and messaging for us Regardless of the product's current virality, it is difficult to maintain it if the market becomes sluggish. What does Stash do to help its clients in the case of a market slowdown? The market's been on bull run now for close to eight years. Um, we do it through education, a lot of it. Um, we do it through the coach. We do it through, I mean, there's two different types of corrections. There's a pure systemic correction, where just everything just drops. That's hard to, that's just, we will take some churn. I mean, that's just, we... You have to accept that. There will be people that, even if they're in a bond portfolio, just won't be able to accept the losses. Um, we've diversified slightly in some ways because we have a lot of customers who just use Stash to save and don't invest at all. So we have a pure savings app. For users that are investing through Stash, which is a lot of them, more than way more than a million, our job is to constantly teach them about 
thinking about the long term and building a diversified portfolio. So if you come in and you only have equities, we will constantly tell you need to buy bonds. So, or you need to buy this product to round out your portfolio. So yeah, I mean, these things will happen. I think the best way for Stash and other companies to address it is through education. People have never seen a correction before. You know, I remember I had just sold, we had just sold Edge Trade to Night Capital and it was in 2007, right before the Great Recession was coming. And it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was different for me because I was running a trading business. So we just traded a lot for a lot, a lot. Our volumes went through the roof. And I saw a lot of people lose all their money. I had friends of mine that had worked at Bear Stearns that were true believers that never sold a share, who were worth 20, 30, 50 million dollars, who were worth zero overnight. The truth is, is that I kept buying all the way through that. So it was great. It was totally awesome. I did the same thing during the dot-com crash. So our belief system is just keep investing little bits of money, not a lot, and keep doing it on a regular basis no matter what the market brings. Because when there's blood in the streets, it's the best time to buy. That's at least what I've learned so far. In order to meaningfully improve the financial lives of nearly 2 million clients, it is evident that the founders recognize that only financial education can truly protect its clients from market volatility. How is Stash innovating and continuing to promote education as a key value proposition? Well, I mean, we built a financial education company. So we, we invest heavily in, uh, in podcasts and video content, in educational content. So I don't know if anyone here is using the Stash app. I know a few of you are or told me you are. Um, there's a learn section in the Stash app. So you can come to the app and learn as you do. So I think, you know, we think a lot about STEM. You know, the way that STEM was taught a really long time ago is, you know, if you want to learn about um, engineering, you would read a book and then you'd probably forget half the shit in the book and then you'd go on your day. But now look at early childhood education, you know, the way that toys have changed, right? You're learning about engineering as you're building something or you're learning about circuits as you build a new circuit car, right? Same thing goes with investing. You can start investing and learn as you go. What's dollar cost averaging? What's diversification? What's a bond? You'd be really scared about how little people know across this country about things related to financial literacy. We've done a lot of work around that. And financial literacy is something that people aspire to have, but they have no means right now of getting there. So. So education is important. With education in mind, one may immediately think of younger audiences. Here's a glimpse of what Creek says Stash has in store for the younger demographic. So on, uh, I don't know the exact day, it might be, it's probably going to be Wednesday or Thursday of next week, we're rolling out a new product called Stash Custodial, which is for parents to be able to open, or any adult to be able to open a Stash account for someone under 18. It's directly because of that. Because with the feedback we were getting we're getting it in mass now. We've been getting it for a while. Is I really want to give this stash for Christmas. Or I really want to open up a stash account for my newborn. The power of compounding over long periods of time is awesome for people that don't have money or that aspire to set someone younger up for college to be able to afford it. So, yeah, we're thinking a lot about that. That's why it will be the first piece we do in more education for younger people. With Stash seeing increasing success, how might the company differentiate itself from its incumbent competitors? Yeah, I mean, we listen to our customers, really. We obsess over what our customers say. And we're, we're not 
we're not trying to invent something that doesn't a problem that doesn't exist. We know the problem we're trying to solve for. Our customers tell us. We invest heavily in user research, so we're always out speaking to our customers or calling them into our office for for different sessions we spend with them. So I think the focus for us is just to stay laser focused on our customer and our problem and not be so fast to react to what other people are doing because we're playing our game and it's working for us. If it doesn't working, I guess I'd say something else, but it is working. Although I have to say when we first started, we did terrible. So the first three or four months, it's funny, the, 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 the client that we had when we first started started on the day we took our Series Seed funding in from Goodwater. So it was short-term bad luck, I guess. Um, and all of a sudden, we went from opening a few hundred accounts a day to less than 100. And it was alarming that we need to, you know, it doesn't work if you just can't wish a business to work, right? We need to pay attention closely to what, what aren't we doing and why wasn't it working at the time. And for that brief period of time when we kind of went off the rails, we stopped listening to our customers. And we just started building the things that we thought our customers needed. And we weren't as attractive to this mass market anymore. So I think those are lessons that we learned and we think about them all the time, almost every day. So the growth of Stash is really predicated on listening and learning and trying new things and failing fast. On the, on the flip side, I think, you know, we've gotten to a point now where, you know, between Stash and a few others, We've kind of shut the venture market down with consumer investing. It's really hard now for a VC to fund a company who can catch up to us on a scale of how fast we're growing. And so, you know, I think for us, it's, you know, this special recipe of growth and generating revenue at the same time and trying to block out the noise because we're always hearing it from every side. Do this, try this, you should do that. You know, our customers want us to do 50 different things. But we have to stay very focused on, again, what it is we need to do. And the thing about consumer finance in the US is that it's a massive market. So it, it's not a winner takes all space. There could be lots of winners in our space and everyone will be great. Although it is true that consumer finance is a massive market in the US, Stash's future may still be threatened by the entrance of other startups or even major financial institutions attempting to reach their target market of first-time investors. Regarding the possibility of increasing number of education-based apps that allow purchases of fractional shares, Creek says the following. I mean, we think about it a lot. It's on our minds, right? I mean, right now, um, the incumbents will definitely have to change, make a lot of changes. And the issue with the incumbents are that they're still a very people-driven, incentive-driven type, most of them run incentive type of organizations. And so the biggest driver of Stash's growth has been our CAC, our customer acquisition cost. What does it cost Stash to get a customer? And how long does it take me to get that money back, right? What's in my payback period? That defines effectively my lifetime value, right? And those, those numbers aren't aligned, right? There's no business. Like I'm, this is a hobby, not a business. And so right now, the incumbents, it costs them about a grand to get a customer. So if you're charging a dollar a month for a super low balance customer that you're willing to stay with for 10, 15 years to see, see it through with them, it doesn't, the economics don't work for the big banks. So there's a word that I don't like, but they, everyone uses, it's called the Henry's. It stands for high earner, not rich yet. Those are the, probably all of you, like banks will make investments in all of you now because you're all going to probably start making a bunch of money one day. And why wouldn't 
bank X want to have you as a customer, right? Because they're hoping that one day you're going to walk on into that bank lobby and slap down a check and open a brokerage account with them and move your retirement account to them, right? And I'm doing the same thing. I'm just doing it on a much bigger scale mm-hmm. with much lower balances for people that aren't the target customer of the incumbent. So, but that will change. There, there will be a shift one day. The incumbents will go after these customers. Right. That's why we keep raising venture and we're going really fast. We're going to grow the company. Finally, what does Creek have in mind for Stash's future? It's just one of those, we stepped into something that <clears throat> the opportunity is so big that we're not even, we're still in like inning one. <clears throat> and so we've had opportunities. People have come to buy the company. We have zero interest. Um, it's Again, it's just such a great opportunity. It's such a huge opportunity. And our customers are coming to us um, for a lot more than just investing. Our customers have the same aspirations as everyone who's wealthy in this country, right? So just a quick on who our customers are, they're 29 years old on average. Household income is just a little bit below $50,000 household. Um, And they're diverse according to their employer. They look like America. So they work for Walmart, they're in the military, they're Uber and Lyft drivers, they work at every retailer you interact with every day. There is a lot, we have a lot of teachers, a lot of nurses. They're just a good snapshot of what America looks like. Um, and one of the stats we're really proud of is about 40% of our customers are female, which is a complete anomaly in financial services, where at most financial services companies, especially on investing, uh, the female population will be around 5%. So I think a lot of that comes from education and accessibility that everyone can do this. So the opportunity is so big that why would we sell out now when we could build a really great generational company and, and just see it there for a long time? And with that, we conclude this episode. We hope that Stasha's experience has shown you how important it is for a startup or any business to have a product that can provide a necessary solution and how to discipline your business to constantly improve upon that solution. Most importantly, we urge all our listeners and aspiring entrepreneurs to go out today, just like Craig and Robinson did three years ago, to ask themselves, what problems do we have and how can we solve them? Thank you for listening. I am your host, Jeannie Choi, and I hope you stay tuned for our next episode.